This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Well, good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis along with Warren Harper. Uh, it is two, uh, 2.01. It's Friday, April the 1st. Happy April Fool's Day for you. Uh, I love um, April because I get okay. to be a year older in April. My birthday's coming up about three weeks. Oh, wow. So, and then that April Fool's Day. The average person. Huh? That doesn't excite the uh, average person. At the least birthday doesn't? The, the birthday part, yeah, but the year older, they don't like to talk about. Oh, you know what? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I can understand that. But, you know, if I, if I get to hang out another year with my friends and family, that to me yeah. is awesome. So I get excited yeah. about that stupid stuff. Okay. Well, that's not stupid. Well, all righty. So anyway, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about um, when, I, when I originally thought to do this topic, the Federal Reserve, one of the things that uh, interested me was there's an argument to get rid of the Federal Reserve. And, and I wanted to learn more about that. I'm not, I don't, I, I try to learn a lot, uh, keep fresh in my mind economics and the the Federal Reserve, but but I'm like a lot of people, so I, I don't spend, I'm not really deeply involved in economics. And so when someone says, well, we need to get rid of this system, you know, I want to know a little bit about it before I can, so that I can at least be educated on the conversation. Sure. And then I realized um, there are a lot of people who just, who don't even have like a, a really basic understanding of um, the Federal Reserve, where it came from and why it's in a place that it's in and, and what that, that does. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to first start the discussion about, you know, what, what I understand about economics and what I understand about the role that the um, Fed plays, and that's it's called the Fed for short, Federal Reserve, what the Federal Reserve plays in um, in our economic system. Right. So, did you have somewhere you wanted to start? No, I don't, because there was so many angles to this organization or whatever you want this system i think is the best way to describe it mm -hmm. and the primary uh idea i got from the whole thing was that it was put in place to help regulate banks and to keep them uh up to code or, or following certain guidelines like the uh reserve requirements that they of available cash and things that they have to have the, to mm -hmm. meet the customer's needs and and stay compliant very good which is which is uh so it was put into place um and that part i, I so i put all of this stuff in my notes and that's the one i left out right uh it was started by congress 
after the Great Depression. Right. And its design was, so the economy has um, hills and valley um, behavior to it. So there's bust and boom all the way through the economy. And the idea was that they would put into place an organization that would smooth out some of the valleys so that there would be a, cons a more consistent um, economic system in place. So it's there to help m smooth out some of the, so that we don't have those great depressions. Right. So, and right. so that's why my understanding, it was put into place. Now it is, and some people don't know, it, it is a private organization. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the people that sit on the board are all nominated by the president and confirmed by Congress. Right, right. So right. that's interesting. So and I thought that was interesting, but you know, okay, okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. I understand it. There are twelve. They so they've divided the country up into twelve regions, and uh, there are twelve Federal Reserve banks uh, around the country, and the state of Missouri actually has two. Federal Reserve Banks. Two. Two Federal Reserve Banks. One in Kansas City and one in St. Louis. Right. Okay. I know we have one downtown. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, the Federal Reserve, um, you don't walk in and I don't think you don't, you walk in and, and open up an account. No, I don't think so. Either. Yeah. They're, they're a bank for banks. Uh, the Federal Bank serves banks, uh, the U.S. Treasury and indirectly the public. A reserve bank is often called a banker's bank. They store currency and coin and process checks and electronic payments. Uh, reserve banks also supervise commercial banks in their regions. As I mentioned, there are 12 regions. Uh, mm -hmm. As the bank of the U.S. government, U.S. reserves handle the, the uh, Treasury's payments, sell government securities, and assist with the Treasury's cash management and investment activities. Reserve banks conduct research on regional, national, and international economic issues. Uh, and this goes to um, how they implement policy in order to help maintain a stable um, economy for the United States. Yeah. Now, did you have any questions or any any thoughts about the Federal Reserve? Well, first of all, you said that, that they are not, they're a private organization, but the board members are appointed by Congress, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. So that being said, are they accountable to Congress in any way? Or how do they, how do they, um, how does Congress, uh, Congress. How do you manage a system like control that? Them. How yes. do they relate to them? That is a very good question. That is a very, very good question. And then furthermore, is there any, are there any political involvement between Congress and this board since everything is political nowadays, you know, how, how do they avoid politics? Politics. Um, 
you know, with it being a private organization, there's that aspect of it, which uh, they keep separate. Now, you know, these, they, so the, the Federal Reserve System has a board, has an um, operational board that's in charge of the 12 banks. Okay. And then, um, so that board um, sets policies and procedures. And then those banks are there to follow those policies and procedures. And one of the things that you talked about was that they have requirements that they have to live by, such as um, they have to have a certain amount of, of money or cash on hand. And here's, here's where I may, I may run into some issues because there mm -hmm. are commercial banks and there are federal reserve banks. Right. Com commercial banks are chartered by the States. So, um, um, bank of America, three fifths, uh, five, th five thirds or three fifths bank. Uh, fifth third or something fifth thirds or whatever first yeah. national those are all chartered by states those they have to go in and get uh, state approval to operate in those states now those banks are required to have um a certain amount of funds on hand to cover their deposit depositors money so you go in, you create an, you start an account with a bank and your account is insured up to $250,000. I think it was, is that what you found? Last time I heard it was that. Last time I heard it was about 250. Okay. So, um, if you've got more than two hundred and fifty thousand in there, I think there was, you know, you're kind of out of luck if if the bank goes under. So, well, I think there's a way around that. <laughs> I probably, probably you put it in different banks. <laughs> well, you put it in, in, in separate accounts or something like that. I think it was. Yeah, you yeah, multiple you, accounts. You divide it, divvy it up. Right. So, um, so you got you've got that situation, and so the bank, the FDIC is what, which is another government agency. That's a, as a gov, federal, federal deposit insurance corporation right. is run by the government that ensures that if a bank fails, that your money is insured so that you get your money back. Mm -hmm. Plus whatever interest is owed to you. Right. So the feds are there, the, the federal reserve. The, so those banks, the local banks are required to have a certain amount of cash on hand uh, in relation to the number of deposits that they have. So in other words, all of your money is not in the bank. Right. So if the bank goes, if the, if you went to the bank, uh, you're a small investor. Let, let's say everybody that banked at that bank <clears throat> decided to go get their money. Mm -hmm. It's not all there. Right. Okay. Right. 
a run on the bank. And that's that's what that's what the feds are there to try to keep from happening. Mm-hmm. That everybody has trust in the system that it will work and that they don't have to run down to the local bank and put their money under a mattress. Right, right. So now those local banks then and and the system I think is really interesting. And I, I say this, so so they can borrow from the Fed. Mm-hmm. Say a bank needs to meet its reserves. Right. For some reason, whatever transactions they've done or whatever, um, they need to uh, um, bring, become, get into, uh, meet their reserve res- um uh, requirements Mm -hmm. they borrow from other banks right right yeah or they can borrow from the federal reserve and doesn't the the fed kind of uh create the rate that they um that they use for these transactions although they it's not written in stone they kind of suggest it i think well so so what i found there were two rates there was the rate that the uh, the Federal Reserve charged to borrow, to lend money, mm-hmm. and then there's a rate that banks charge each other, right, to borrow money. Okay. And the one from bank to bank is that the higher one? No, the one from the Fed is the higher one. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. So the one from the the regular from bank to bank is the lower rate. So borrowing from another bank, et cetera. And um, so here's, here's one of the things that came to my mind. With all of this borrowing going on, there was interest rates attached to all of that. Right, of course. Right. Nothing's free. So, so where does the money come from to repay those loans? If you're well, not well, able I, to meet your reserve, mm-hmm. if you're not able to re, you don't have the cash on hand to meet your reserves. You've lent mm-hmm. it out. Because that's my guess is that they, they've either invested in something or they've lent the money out or they had someone come in and withdraw the money. So now they're below their reserve requirements. Right. So, so they have to borrow to maintain their reserve requirements. Sure, and they're gonna have to pay interest on it. And that. they're gonna have to pay interest on that money. So we know that they're gonna pass all of that onto the customer, onto you and me. Somehow, you know, mm-hmm. when you are um, go to get a home loan or whatever, they're gonna pass mm-hmm. all of that on to you. They're gonna pass all of that interest and borrowing onto you. You're gonna pay for it. Right. 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 And so, so that's kind of one the one of the things that I really wanted to learn more about, because I, mm-hmm. I I'm still not, um, I'm not as up to speed with that aspect of it that I wanted to. I wanted to be, and and I wasn't, and like you said, there was there was so much going on, and what I I did find myself doing was I I found myself, um 
I'd run down one trail and then it would wind up and double back on itself. And then I'd wind up seeing the exact same thing I saw before. And so I understand the need for our uh, financial system. So let me go back. Here is what I understand about how we got where we are. Okay. So you create some products and services. I create some products and services. I grow corn, you grow wheat, and uh, another person makes shoes. So I give you some corn. I was grow. I grow corn. I give you some corn. You give me some wheat. I give the other person some corn. They give me some shoes. Because okay. money, paper money hadn't been invented yet. So then um, coins came along, you know, people mm-hmm. started making coins so that um, I no longer have to hand you wheat. I can give you wheat. You give me coins. Now I've got right. coins and I can go and, you know, someplace else and use those coins and exchange goods and services. Right. Cause you know, I, if you don't eat the corn within a, a certain period of time, that corn, the corn is going to go bad. Yep. Going bad. So if I give you coins, if, if we, if our system of exchange includes a non-perishable item, then you can get corn or wheat or shoes when you need them and not have to have a big silo of, products in order to make exchanges. So it simplified, it simplified the the process of transferring goods and services between people. It made society more efficient. All righty. So when deciding on which material to use to make the coins, Eventually, gold became the standard, which is the United States was on the gold standard up until, I think, Richard Nixon. Now, during the gold standard, um, a dollar, you know, you get a paper dollar, it represented that you could go to the United States Treasury and exchange that for one dollar's worth of gold. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's what the, so, so all of the money that was in circulation was backed by gold reserves. That means they did, they couldn't print money arbitrarily because it had to be backed by something. So if the value of the, go ahead. So at that point, were, were, were we talking about the physical gold or the uh, certificates? Physical gold. So, uh, physical which gold. is a good question, because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I remember what they they used to have what was called a silver certificate. Oh, okay. And the silver certificate, which is just looked like a regular dollar, but it said silver certificate on it, was backed by silver. Right. And those went away. You know. 
early in my childhood, but I remember them. But yeah, the, 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 when we were on the gold standard, when you held a dollar, you held a portion of gold. It was in the form of a dollar. You should, you would be able to go to the government. Well, you probably wouldn't, but technically it was backed by gold, which meant right. that if whoever's handling it has a portion of gold owed to them because they had that certificate. So at some point in time, like way at the beginning, were they actually allowing you to possess that gold or was that never the case? Well, okay. So, 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 um, so I did, a. this is a while back, did a um, little bit of learning about how money came into existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and, and I don't remember all of it, but I'll, I'll do the best that I can. So in early man, they realized it was more efficient to create uh, coins as a form of exchange mm-hmm. for goods and services, rather than you taking a bale of hay and a pair of shoes, because that was, that's what you're basically doing. You're basically changing your goods and services, such as I'll clean your house. You'll give me wheat because you grow wheat. So I'll, I'm exchanging my service for your goods. And so that's how things had to go. And then they created money. And so we exchanged money instead of actually exchanging physical goods. Okay. So yes, you, you had those in your possession and they had a value. So when they went to the gold standard, you know, um, some, some of the early coins were made out of gold. Mm -hmm. Gold was a precious material. It was useful in building and other things like that. That's what, why it had a value. And not just because it was pretty, but because it was useful. Okay. So then we went to paper money. And paper money represented that, that you owned a piece of a valuable material because it was represented in that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. The piece of paper itself wasn't the value, it was what was supporting the piece of paper. So you could exchange it for something useful. Right. Okay. When we were on the gold standard, we could only print as much money as gold that we had to back it. Mm-hmm. You can't. It if you printed too much money, if you, if you, let's say we had uh, 50 bars of gold and each dollar represented a bar of gold, you could only have $50. If you, you printed another $50 of paper money, then each dollar would only be worth half a bar of gold. Correct. 
So by printing more money, you devalued each dollar that you had, that you had in circulation. It become less and less valuable because you'd get a smaller and smaller portion of what was backing the um, currency. Right. Is that inflation? That is that is inflation. Well, so that's a part of inflation. Part of inflation. That's a part okay. of inflation because, um, because you know that goods and services. So, and I, I, that's another discussion. Okay. Not another discussion. It's another part of this discussion, but it, it takes mm -hmm. us down another path. Gotcha. Because I, I wanted to get to. Uh, we got taken off the gold standard. So we are no longer, our money is no longer backed by gold. There used to be a huge uh, uh, cache of, of gold bars and gold in Fort Knox. That was well known that Fort Knox housed most of the gold reserves of the United States. Right we no longer are on a gold standard. So we don't stockpile gold to back our dollars. Our dollars are now backed by the faith of the federal government. Okay. So if you own if you're holding a federal dollar, if you're holding a, an American dollar, you can exchange that for whatever goods and services that the United States produces. Yeah, but how much? Well, <laughs> you know, we'll we'll get so that. so part of that discussion is yes, how do how what is the value of that dollar? How do you value that right. dollar when it's backed by faith in the federal government to live up to its obligations? Right? Yeah. So, so, so one of the things that jump out at me is, is that if you have someone that's interfering with the ability or the function of the government to carry out its job, mm -hmm. you are invalidating that contract. That contract says, I have an American dollar and that dollar is backed by the faith of the government to, to, to give me goods and services when I present it. If you impact the uh, functionality of the government, you're basically invalidating that contract that you're, you're making it harder for that dollar to have value. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, then, then the system starts to break down because the value, because the dollar's value goes away because the government can't live up to its obligations to validate that contract, to validate that, that currency. 
Right, right. It, it gets at some point in time, a whole issue of the uh, currency value seems to be suspect of, or it could be at risk of come, becoming political. And I agree. Um, yeah, so I, so how, explain to me, okay, so I don't want to be, what I'm trying to do is, is to not be too technical, to kind of give people, um, I, th- I think a lot of people, when they start hearing about uh, banking and finance and insurance rates, or not insurance rates, but uh, interest rates and that kind of stuff, they kind of just go, I don't know, and they don't, right. and they don't, um, and they don't engage anymore. They just kind of say, "Well, that's that's for those people to figure out, and you know, everything will be all right. They'll, they'll do the right thing." And and my thought is is that as a citizen, it is important for us to understand basic economics, mm-hmm. so that, and and here's why I say that. We as citizens start our businesses. We start our businesses and we try to sell our services. And then the idea becomes, well, what do I charge? What do I charge for my goods and services? And then we have to look around and we have to figure out a price because we get to set our prices. So in the process of setting our prices, we want to be fair. You want to be fair, but you also want to be profitable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so the Federal Reserve sets interest rates for banks, and then banks in turn set interest rates for us as business people, for us as consumers. Yeah. Okay. So that is the intent. If the Fed changes the interest rates, but I, as a business person, ignore that whole process, then the Fed changing the interest rates doesn't mean anything because it doesn't impact what I'm doing as a business person. You said when the business ignores what the interest rate uh, is, they don't follow in line with the adjustment of the interest rate, what, you know, whether it's going up or down as far as um, changing their prices. Is that what you're referring to? Right. So if, if the, if a, if a, if a business person is not, so, so, so not all sectors are going to be impacted by interest rate changes the same. Okay. Fair. And, and, I can see that. And I have to give you an example. So, so recently we have been in COVID lockdown. So a lot of people didn't have money. So when they didn't have money to go out and spend, businesses started to struggle because they still had bills, but they had no income to offset those bills by. Mm-hmm. So they're going to still owe those bills. So that means money starts to become tighter. Right. 
Okay, as money comes tighter, it becomes more valuable. When money becomes so so the so the, there was a need for businesses to get money. Mm-hmm. So the federal government, um, I, what were they called? Uh, we got we got checks, stimulus, stimulus checks. We got stimulus yeah. checks. So the government found some money, and I'm a, I'm going to say found some money because I don't <laughs> want to go through all of the process, how that money came into existence. Okay. (laughs) So I just want to start from the point where the federal government sent out some chicks. Right. Okay. So by having, by, by having, um, more money into, into circulation, people could go out and support businesses. Mm. When businesses, start getting money coming in. Then they look at the value of their product and say, well, people can afford a higher rate. <laughs> right? Uh, well, you know, I I can see that happening. I, I'm not in that type of business where I'm able to uh, I'm selling a product where I can adjust the rates, so I'm not looking at it from that end, but I could see where they definitely would be looking for opportunities to do such a thing. We talked about get it last mo- week. Yeah, get more money. Yeah. Oh, we talked about oil and gas. Mm-hmm. That yeah. oil was already paid for when it was pumped into the ground. Right. Because yep, up comes a war. And because of war and on speculation, uh-huh. they started adjusting the price. But but that's right. not just the issue, right? So anytime they think that, so we had a we had a, an economic downturn, or I say economic downturn. We had um, an issue. Uh, from the pandemic where a lot of people lost a lot of wages, um, missed out on a lot of uh, job opportunities, and we had a lot of businesses close. So money became tighter. Mm-hmm. So the feds eased interest rates to the banks. The banks then eased interest rates to the individual in an attempt to stimulate to get more money out and moving around because money only has a value when it's being traded for goods and services. Right. Okay. If the fed decides to lower interest rates because there's not enough currency in circulation and the, and the value of it is, is, start is so high that people can't afford to own it, to have it, then they need to ease that by putting more money into circulation. But what happens is, is the more money you put into circulation, inflation happens because now each dollar is worth less. And so a, an, uns, 
I think that's the unscrupulous. A a person who's running a business can look and say, I want more for my product because you can now afford it. Mm-hmm. You got that stimulus check, so I want more. So I want more of that stimulus check because I need it. Right? Yep. So, so that, would, to me, was some of the problems. So I'm looking at the economic concepts that we're using. Okay. When we were on the gold standard, you couldn't print more gold or more more um, money, more money without having more gold. If you wanted the value of the dollar to stay the same. Now that we're not on that, how do we value the dollar? How do we know what the value of the dollar is? That's a good question. I don't know how they figure that. Do they look at um, the number of dollars, the amount of dollars floating around out there as opposed to um, other economic factors? And, And I don't... Cost of living, things like that. So the cost of living, I mean, and, and so the cost of living is a number that reflects what it costs you to live. And right. that's going to change based on businesses charging for goods and services. Right. What they pay, what they charge you for. Right. So if, if the oil company ignores, so if the oil company says, I realize that the cost of, um, the cost of goods and services is at this level, but I want to charge a premium because I believe my product, because you need my product. You you need oil and gas to get from point A to point B. So I can charge a higher rate. Right. What happens is then is that um, because they've raised their price, there may be other. So the Fed may have looked at that and said, we really need to put more money into circulation because um, we need to put more money into circulation because it's becoming tight. People aren't being able to get it readily enough to make ends meet. And then you have a company looking to pull all of that out as much as possible because Mm -hmm. they see your acquisition of money as their opportunity to, to, get more profit for their product. And so, and so one of the things that, that I think I see is how we value products, goods and services. Mm-hmm. We don't, there's no, there's no constants. There's no constant because everything changes. Everything's malleable. 
you know, how do you value something? Because the value of it is constantly changing. Exactly. Yeah. That's the real problem, I think. I think I think that there's an issue there. I mean, so to say that our system doesn't work isn't completely fair. To say there are issues in the system, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely issues. There are definitely issues. We had a pharmaceutical company that took a product from $7 to $5,000. Right. If you don't have some standard of consistency to work from, who's to say they're wrong? I agree. We, we need some specific laws to deal with those cases, but we have government Congress that's very reluctant to uh, put the reins on uh, situations like that. I agree there too. And, and, and part of it I think is, is that we, we haven't worked hard enough at finding um, stable stabilized ideas to work from. So, so if you had, if, if say we had a standard, um, so we, we've got the dollar that changes in value. Okay. Dollar changes in value. If the dollar changes in value, then at some point you're going to see it as useful. And then at another point, not useful. But the fact that you see it as not useful is going to change its value. Here. When we were on the gold standard and and we had said a dollar is worth this much gold and we had stuck to that. You're not allowed to print more money. You're not allowed to take money out of circulation. That dollar is going to have a consistent value for its entire life. So there is no, there's not going to be any inflation. There's not going to be any deflation hmm. because it's not going to change in value. The value becomes consistent. It is stable. It is unchanged. We don't have any unchanged values in our economic system. There is nothing that is so consistent as that you can count on it from situation to situation. So the, we can't find a way to have consistent, let's say pricing or valuation of uh, goods Therefore, the system is just out of control. Well, I don't want to say it's out of control. I understand what you mean when you say out of control. Okay. That, that because there is not that consistency, it is difficult to pin down what is what. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to say is, um, is that having um, some... 
some things that are unchangeable. Okay. Right? Having some things that's unchangeable adds a level of certainty where you don't have to jimmy with this and jimmy with that to make things run smoothly. Okay. Now, again, economics is a theory. Okay. And I just put forth another theory because I don't know where I can prove what I just said is absolutely true. It just, to me, makes sense. Right. I know if, if for my dollar, I can get one bar of gold, mm -hmm. then it is consistent. It doesn't matter if, if I go to, uh, if I go to one eye, um, eyeglass company and they say, well, we want $50 for this pair of glasses. Right. Then I go to another eyeglass company and they say, we want $5,000 for this pair of glasses. It's not about, it's not about to me at that point, which is the better deal. It is how do you justify $50,000 when we, we have a set, set of rules to play by? Is that I probably didn't I probably didn't use the best example. I probably didn't use because I could see where there are problems with that, that that analogy or that situation. But the rules you're talking about would apply to uh how a company would price products or things. A consistent model for pricing. A consistent model for goods and services. So that right. that it is that is that you take away some of the incentive mm -hmm. to game the system. And here's here's one way I'll say like, okay. In the current system, scarcity is what the system is built on. If I have 5,000 of something, I charge less than if I had 400. If I have 400, I can charge more because it's rarer. If you have a consistent model, then the price of the item is consistent from 400 to 5 million. I, right now we have a situation where people can create false um, scarcity. Hmm. Okay. Right. So, so if, yeah. if 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 I want to if I want to make my shoe more expensive, I only make two hundred of them. Right. Right. Because if I make goes. if because if I make three hundred of them right? Then I don't get to charge as much. But that's gaming the system. That's creating scarcity that that may not have should have been there. Just to make more money. Sure. That that and and all companies aren't going to love me. Uh, and I'm not saying what I say to be an enemy of the oil company. I'm saying 
you know, how do we build a system where everybody's playing by the same rules? Mm. How do we build a system where there is some consistency that everybody understands what is fair and what is not fair? Very good question, because I know that businesses and people trying to make money don't like things like price controls and regulations that limit them from making as much profit as they feel they can. That's that's just not desired for people going into business. I, Swami. Now, people, the... The consumer, on the other hand, is is all down for uh, whatever allows him to get the best deal for his money. But on the other hand, the guy trying to get your money selling that product, he wants more of it. Right. I, I, yeah, and and so that's what, that's all I'm trying to say is is how how do we build a system that has fairness as its core. And that we in that we ensure that that fairness is a is an is an unbreakable bond between consumer and uh, supplier. That I don't get to because I create a product, uh, I, I create a seven dollar pill, that I don't get to jack it up to five thousand dollars, just because. I want to that I there has to be some business reason that supports that cost. Well, I think the key word there is business because when I listen to business people talk, they don't talk like you talk. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for really pointing that don't. out, brother. <laughs> thank you. I'm, when I I'm just examining. talking about business, they're the biggest point that they're trying to put out is uh, how to make more profit. You know, they're not talking about safety. They're not talking about uh, paying fair wages or paint giving more leave and things like that from a business point of perspective these people are basically focusing on profit primarily now you got some businesses that are more conscientious than others that that try to be more fair but in general when people think of businesses they don't think of them as being uh totally humane and concerned about their wallet. And I, and I agree, but, but what I'm talking about should not be looked at by business people as a lose situation because a lot of products and goods and services require business to business transactions. So right. if my supplier can't, just jack up randomly jack up um the cost of my supplies then it benefits me and it makes it more consistent 
um, that I can present as a as a, a valid product to my customers. That yes, if if you take away my ability to jack up my prices whenever I want, then you take away a tool that I feel is good for me to make money. Sure, absolutely. But if I'm a good business person and I have a set of rules to work within, then I should know how to make money, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should. You should know how to make money uh, if you're a good business person. Right. So, so, so that tool of just raising prices, I think, um, has some shortcomings. I'm well, not saying it's not a. It's, I'm not. It's saying it's it's not a valid business tool. I'm not trying to um, eliminate it. I'm saying let's look at it and see if there is a better way to accomplish what we want to accomplish. I like yeah, the idea. I, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just saying that we. How much money should a person make? becomes the issue on uh, uh, determining how they uh, set those goals and those ideals on what they should be bringing in. Uh, if you say, I wanna make a million dollars in the next couple of years, you know you have to set your price at a certain point. You have to structure your business to do that. But at the same time, that whole structure is not fair or consistent with helping the other guys you do business with, then is that a bad business person? That's very good. That's, that's a very good question. And, and so if a unit, let's take, let's take, um, let's take um, minimum wage. Okay. Wage. Okay. So a unit of work, minimum wage, unit of work is, I think it's $7.25, $7.50. Oh, some places, some, a lot of places have gone up to 10 though, I think. Okay. Well, I th okay. Then, okay. I think they have, you know. No, I think you're right. I, I, yeah. I, I just know that there's been this discussion. Mm -hmm. Okay. But the thing is, is that there's a federal minimum wage that federal employees are mandated. There's a, a minimum wage, there's a national minimum wage. So you can't pay below a certain thing on a national minimum wage. Right, right. And then others, and then states and municipalities have their own minimum wage. It's True. not because of that inconsistency because of that inconsistency from place to place to place, it changes the cost of living. So in New well, York, it, yeah. you, you're required to have, you're required to make um, $30 an hour to have the same comforts as you would in St. Louis at $15 an hour. Maybe, maybe 50 an hour in New York. But you, you understand what I'm saying? Is that yeah. because of those, because because we do not have a consistent um, 
unit of work cost work. Right. We have these great disparages in, in, in what constitutes a living wage. Because if, if, if I'm working, if a standard week was 35 hours a week and a standard, uh, um, cost a standard, uh, um, wage was $10 an hour. It would be the same if you lived in Iowa, Hawaii, Texas, Missouri, it would be the same. It would be this. There would be the same money if you moved from, and, and I'm just saying, let's say a range, mm -hmm. you know, a range, but anyway, it wouldn't matter where you moved the cost of living would be the same based on what based on um the wage and the unit so so all manufacturers all people that produce all uh service industries are going to pay the same or close to the same amount in labor costs <laughs> I think a lot of there's other factors that that manipulate those. I agree. Regions. I agree. Like desirability of an area where well, people really want to be there. Somehow the economy becomes a lot more expensive. Well, that's real estate rent uh, because people want to be there. Uh, they want to be on the waterfront or on the beach, or they want to be uh, in the big multimedia center, Silicon Valley. Those places are, they have totally different economic ranges and prices. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. And I, I think it would take me a little longer to explain how I see that differently. Okay. So, so so again, if you, if you, okay. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out the best way to, to explain it mm -hmm. so that I don't, um, make it more confusing. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. I don't disagree with the idea of consistent pricing and costs, but in the system we have, I just don't think it's realistic. Okay. Because you'd have to, you'd have to put controls on everything. And uh, in our society, too many people reject controls. Well, yeah, you have controls now. I mean, you have. Well, yeah, there are some controls, but then controls that can be manipulated get manipulated. Right, and and the thing is, is that what we don't have. I, I don't think the problem is controls. I think the problem is enforcement of controls. Okay. Well, 
what things do you think need the most need to be controlled or controlled most? Well, I, I think there, I, I think, I think having a consistent concept of what we're trying to accomplish is the most, is the place to start. Okay. So, so one of the things that I, I've said before, and I'll say, I don't want to see everything become law. I don't want to see law as the only way for us to be to govern behavior. Okay. So, so if I say we should act fairly towards each other, what we need is a consistent way to understand what fair between each other means. Right. And so once we have that, there are going to be people who aren't going to want to accept the idea of what we say is fair. Absolutely. But to the, to the best part that we can, the more people that do accept it, it puts pressure on the people that want to be, to don't want to follow that. So in other words, if, 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 if charging way over a unit of work. So if we, if we define a unit of work and the cost of a unit of work and the majority of the people accept that those people that, that, um, go outside that system, they will face public, the, you know, they will face the, the public opinion and, you know, people can go, you know, this person is not uh, playing as a team player. Um, so I'm not going to support that business. And so, and so that brings them back in, that can, can bring them back into line without having a legal recourse to do that. Because we don't want to, we don't want everything to be handled by law because we'd have to have, we'd have to have more police than we have people. We'd have to have more police than businesses because of having to monitor all of them, having to go through courts. You know, there would be such a bigger process. If we have a system where people opt into the system and understand that, that they're going to encounter um, difficulty when they go outside that system, then we don't have to have a law and enforcement is less confrontational. Is that fair? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't think that we can make everything a law. No, for sure, because this is a free society. They call it a free market society. And if everything was governed by law, it really wouldn't be that free. And so I, I, all I'm trying to, to, to get to is let's have discussions about what is the potential? What is the potential for building a system that has fairness and opportunity at its core? And that we get more buy-in from the community 
so that we don't have to, you know, increase law enforcement and we don't have to increase the court system, but that we agree to treat each other in a certain way. You know, that's like, um, that's like, um, um, I'm trying to think of a, a system where we, uh, like, like standing in the middle of a store and screaming. There's not necessarily a law against that. They could probably no. remove you, but everybody knows it is. It is. Should not you should not stand in the middle of a store and scream. It, it's just peer. Peer review, where we help each other. You know, when when more people are nice, it becomes harder to not be nice. Because you see that your behavior is not what everybody else's behavior is around you. Mm. And that system is allows you self-regulation rather than regulation from an external source. So you don't have to be taken to court. You don't have to be confronted. You can look and see this is how we are, the, you know, everybody around me is behaving. So this must be what is accepted and normal. Yeah. And unfortunately, people, people are going to be people. There is a whole lot of people exhibiting, not only exhibiting bad behavior, but people will go on social media and follow it. It will get views and likes sure. and the exact same stuff you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do you do? Well, I, I think, I think at the sound of being repetitive, I think it starts with conversation. You know, I, I, you know, some people, what we see in the, and you know, a lot of times what people uh, respond to that is they want to pass a law to stop people from, you know, having that, you know, being able to say, so they want to, they want to force people to, to capitulate. They want to force people to understand what it means to be nice rather than us creating an environment where nice is the norm. Okay. No, you're not. And, and I said this before, you're probably never going to get a hundred percent, um, a hundred percent participation, but you don't need a hundred percent participation. You need a big, huge participation. And you're going to get a lot of people that are just going to find, and then those, those people who operate outside the system aren't going to be, have as much impact because they, they're not going to pull as many people with them to do bad. You're not, you're not going to get everybody to say something nice about their neighbor, but if you don't 
If you don't pay attention to somebody saying nasty things about your neighbor and you don't give in to that behavior, then they're just screaming in the middle of a forest. And eventually they may change their behavior. But if you pass a law, but if you pass a law that says you need to change your behavior, what, what's that going to do? That's going to make them be more likely to do it. Well, yeah, I mean, certain things, uh, behaviors, the law just won't, won't address because people are going to be people. Sure. And, and the law can only come in at a certain point when they break the law, or when it goes too far. And then you got people, you know, hyped up on that situation too. They want to, they want to see that they want to see somebody fighting or getting drug off in handcuffs. And, you know, it's, I don't know what, what draws people to things like that. I really don't. Okay. All right. We are, we are over on our time. Um, always good to have a good conversation. Uh, yeah. we will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's show is about adolescence and expectations. And just to let everybody know, um, we thought of that topic before the Academy Awards. Um, so, so it wasn't precipitated on that. And we may traverse into that situation a little bit, but I don't, I don't intend to make the show about what happened at the Academy Awards. I, I think yeah, at the Oscars, at the Oscars, I'm sorry. At yeah, the Oscars. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it's all the same to me. Academy Awards. Yeah, I, I know. I know. We, a but, lot of people are right. saying the same thing. Academy Awards. Yeah. Yeah, Especially if you don't right. watch them regularly, I don't watch them, and and it's I not happen to be watching it. I, you know, if that's your if that's your type of entertainment, then it's great. And I, I don't yeah. mean to be rated, and and uh, I just think I, it's just not. I don't do award shows, but anyway, yeah. the 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 topic will will um, not be about that, but it it may bump up against it. Alrighty, my brother, I will talk to you tomorrow. Alrighty. Talk to you tomorrow. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please, like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment, because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.